So we're back again with another elucidating episode of the Looking Glass Forum. I'm just recently personally out of jail. I had to go in and turn myself in to go to jail. Interestingly enough, on January 6th of this year, 2022, because I, I didn't have a driver's license when I got pulled over. Maybe I, I was like going over a little over the speed limit there and I didn't have a driver's license. And I had to go to court in a terrible, god-awful, tyrannical county here in, in Florida. And here in Florida, the counties have a lot of independence and personal sovereignty amongst themselves. So not all counties are alike. This particular county, after I, I went to court, I mean, before I went to court, I got my license reinstated, of course. I paid the fees and the fines and all the money that the state requires to have my license back in, you know, reactivated, if you will. But when I got to court, they they still wanted to put me in jail. And they wanted to put me in jail for 60 days which is a terribly long time to be without work, to leave your family home alone, to have your wife and kids just struggling without you. And even after I presented the court with my valid driver's license, they still wanted to rewind the tape back to six months or five months before when I got pulled over and I didn't have it at that time and incarcerate me. And, uh, you know, I got to admit, I'm a little bit salty over this particular incarceration because it's just so vile to put me out of work and to put me in such a dangerous environment. And at this particular jail there in Alachua County, let's just get it out there. They were having COVID outbreaks or what have you, whatever, however you want to make the distinction, infections, pathogenic disease running rampant throughout the jail. And um, it's just, it's just horrible. I think that the jail from all that I could deduce is just getting a massive amount of federal funding and probably state funding too because of the continuing pandemic of this particular COVID-19 event that's being perpetrated and continuously. And of course, we had to all wear masks, jail constantly. So you can imagine it was particularly horrifying experience. And uh, I can't imagine why, in the name of God, the judge wouldn't work with me, particularly violent an angry and hateful judge. I think that their intentions were to continuously fill up jail beds with inmates for as long as possible in order to just receive the funding. And I hate to be so cynical in my view of their intentions, but they just have people totally trapped in this place in Alachua County and Gainesville. It's basically Gainesville. I mean, without Gainesville, Alachua County is really nothing but a backwater, nowhere place. And of course, Gainesville is nothing if not the home of the University of Florida, the Gators. UF campus. Proud intellectual academia that they are. And I noticed when I got a chance to read the newspaper and the other inmates weren't hoarding the thing to be a, uh, a toilet tissue, if you will. I had opportunities to read the newspaper and I saw that the, the students there were protesting to lower the speed limit in Gainesville because they're they're politically conscious and they're active and they know how to use their power. They have personal power, the students at UF campus, and they wanted to slow down the traffic because it's dangerous. I mean, they're running at 45 miles an hour in some places in Gainesville, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a veritable speedway. So they want to lower it down to 35 and 25 and just take consideration of the bikers, the people on their bicycles pedaling around. They can have people driving around at 45 and 35 miles an hour and people getting killed. It's like a war zone. And think about the environment. You can't have all these speeding motorists, right? around with their, their fumes and their, their gas just poisoning the environment. And I, and I read other articles about how, in, in the Gainesville Sun, about how conscious they are of racial issues. Well, I have to tell you, I personally experienced the inside of the jail, and Gainesville is not doing very well on addressing racial issues, I have to tell you. Racial issues are a major problem here in the, the Alachua County Department of the Jail. And you got to know that the issues that we're having there are staggering and 
considerable. And it seems like the, the liberals and the, the woke academia at UF campus are really interested in minding everybody's business around this entire country and having an opinion on what happens with everybody else's area of the country and weighing in on national politics with a heavy foot. But the, the reality is, is that the, the suffering and the degradation and the shameful behavior and attitudes that exist inside the jail and among the sheriff's staff are apparently not on their radar. So in this small way, on this podcast, let's put it on the radar, shall we? But I, I got to point out that our, our entire society is being absolutely crushed within this crucible of divisive racial politics in this country, with critical race theory being used as a wedge to exacerbate tensions and cultural animosity. And and it just becomes this vitriol and it becomes this polemic of hatred and annihilation of of the entire American culture. So like I had to discuss with some of my fellow inmates who, some of which were fairly intelligent, many of whom were the most horrifying and depraved kind of monsters that you can imagine being in jail, who reduce all of their every waking moment to discuss the different hoes that they managed to fuck and share together when they were on the streets being buddies and the different people that they murdered. I mean, I got to overhear some of the most asinine discussions about people shooting each other. And you would think that people were in there in jail. They'd want to protect themselves and be quiet about their past crimes and their criminal history instead of blabbing their mouth off over the entire inmate pod about the Things that they, crimes they committed and, and drugs that they sold and people that they shot. But this is, this is the outcome of a totally degraded and depraved culture who worships nothing but murder and fornication and just random meaningless sex acts with strangers and and, and the drugs, the drugs, you know, this uh, this thing of them smoking the, the molly or the meth, it's becoming a, a huge rage. It's becoming a huge popular hit in the inner cities and in various sectors of the black community. I think that before, the main thing to do was to sell crack to anybody in your community, anybody who just walked down the street, just sell them a crack rock and try to make money and then shoot each other. When somebody else tried to sell crack rock to your people, you shoot them and back and forth. But now, even worse is this meth because this molly, call it, is destroying the minds of the young people it's destroying them and even after they come into the jail and clean up for a few months their minds are gone sobering up and getting clean are not enough because the toxic poisonous substance that, that they have in these meth crystals and then they're smoking and they're burning it turning it into toxic noxious fumes that basically fries their brains i saw many individuals coming into the jail after having spent months out there smoking molly and they're destroyed they're destroyed forever and i love to discuss the one fellow was talking about how he has 12 different babies mamas he's not going to be present for any of those children he's going to have 12 bastard kids and he's never ever going to see and they're going to grow up with no father aren't those kids just so lucky just the luckiest kids in the world they really won the uh the genetic heredity lottery didn't they have parents like that i got folks that are named boo boo in jail that's their name and these are are complete monstrous idiots who do do nothing all day but stand around with both their hands down in the front of their pants holding their cocks and and quoting rap lyrics to each other and then whenever vh1 comes on and some of the the uh, the young prostitute women there dancing on the screen come on everyone crowds around and stares at the with lust at the women to stare at their at their body parts and make comments about how fine those hoes are. That's what women are to these guys. They're, they're just a, a commodity or an enumerated quantity that can be broken down to get them on crack, get them in the uh, the old trap house, get them real addicted to drugs, and then get them to uh, prostitute themselves with uh, the random people coming down the block. 
And that's business as usual. That's a family business. I sat there and listened to these idiots who got golds in their mouth because they were selling crack that their, their uncle got them selling crack when they were 15 years old. And they're proud of it. I mean, it's a badge of honor. I mean, jail doesn't represent any kind of like conflict of interest or difficulty or penitence in the penitentiary. No, it's, it's, it's a rite of passage. It's like a country club of morons and dangerous fools. And I got to see all kinds of terrible horrors in, in the Alachua County Jail. Cars that are just self-inflicted because the culture has become completely vile and evil and corrupt beyond description. I even got to be a trustee because I have minor charges and they put me in there for such a long, long time instead of dropping the case when they realized I had my license back or, or maybe like being really, really serious with me and putting me in jail for maybe 10 days. Now they wanted to do 60 days. I mean, there's some like lower degree felonies that you get 60 days in jail for. And these guys want to just fill up a jail space with me so they could make their extra COVID funding. And I listened again and again as the people are going to court. And the court and the judge, the judges there, they don't want to resolve the cases. They just keep sending them back for another pre-trial conference next month. And you go to court again and they send you back for another pre-trial conference the next month. And it just goes on and on and on. And months and months and months go by as these people just languish in jail. Many of them who deserve to be there, but that's not really the point. That's besides the point. The point is, is that we have a constant constitution in this country and down in Alachua County it's entirely suspended people don't have a right to do to a, a speedy trial and the the public defenders there are just mouthpieces for the state and they're there to explain to you how you're going to get bent over and by the district attorneys and the judges and you're going to get sent off to to I guess county time they don't really like to give out prison time because when they do that they send you up the road and they don't get to have the money so they need to keep you around keep you in the in the county jail one fellow was there can't take him to trial and they can't continue the case and then they don't want to let him go so he's been in the county jail for over 999 days they call him 999 the mr smart fellow he's been in there for several years and they're not you know they're, they're going to keep making offers to him and they're not going to take him to trial it looks like they're just going to hold him in jail indefinitely so it brings us back to this january 6th issue and the growing popularity of this particular podcast that they wanted to nail me down and put me in jail on some trumped up bullshit on january 6th and to experience the, the ramifications of speaking out against this tyranny in Washington, D.C. And originally, they were going to offer me 45 days, which I thought was curious, because it's a, there's a political message here in this blue, deep blue county of Alachua with the woke UF campus. There's a, there's a political message about 45 and January 6th and putting me in jail, you know, because I don't have any ability to defend myself. And I really should have got a paid attorney, but I didn't think, I didn't have any knowledge that the that the, uh, the courts were so, being so violent, process of charging and putting people in, in jail for such brutally long jail sentences, which are just inconceivable. And by the time I got to the point in about five or six months into going to court, I realized that they were going to give me this disastrously long time I'm in jail, which I'm worse for the wear. My body is, is, is aching as we speak. I just got out last night and it, it was a terrible, awful experience. It was like a boot camp for retards. And I have to complain about this cultural degeneracy that we're seeing with this so-called quote unquote, my fingers are up in quotation marks, rap music, which I would say that it's some kind of lyrical mantra chant but i don't know about the musical part but you have to recognize that these these music labels and these larger the larger music music industry itself and the recording studios and all the executives involved with that are making millions and millions and millions of dollars probably making more than the supposed so-called artists are making and the record deals and they're promoting this totally toxic and illegal criminal culture that glorifies violence and murder and they try to hide behind this idea that they have free speech 
They have free speech rights. So they have this right to pervert the culture and to degrade it with this totally puke nonsense bullshit music, which is just going to constantly degrade women. It's going to constantly show women as prostitutes and just sexual objects. And this is a strange thing to be witnessing because we're at a point now where the woke people are supposed to be protecting the rights of women from being abused by bad men. This is happening at right at the exact moment when the bad men in the culture are showing images of women that are totally pornographic and totally vile. And they're disgusting. And women are, are looking at the culture through this lens of popular media and Hollywood and MTV. And young people are being influenced ultimately to believe that this is the way that adults act. This is the way people operate. This is the way human beings have relationships. That girls are hoes and you got your gat and you shoot somebody with your pole, right? I mean, that's, 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 that's what the message is coming across, across the entire pop culture. So you have all these rap stars and you listen, watch the NBA games. And in the background is the music icons who are being lifted up to this, this, on the stage of deity where everyone stands around and worships and puts their hands up and, and they, and they shout and clap and sing the songs of the artist, which are completely depraved and disgusting this is what our kids are being subjected to this is the new era of the elvis presley effect on the culture where everyone's got to emulate everyone's got to be like puff daddy everyone's got to be like juice world right juice world you know juice world he had a song put out that called i'm already dead and the whole song is about the fact that he's already dead and he's been dead for years and and he produced this song and put it out several years ago describing that he was already dead and and he was gone and then of course not too long back if you look back juice world dies and you know what his most popular song is now that he's dead he's a he's a huge rock star in the grave and his most popular hit is i'm already dead it's it's a culture of death and murder and the drugs this you know it's not molly we know what molly is and whatever these guys are out there smoking this meth substance it's not molly but that's just what they're going to call it it's just they've been included subjugated into this meth with fentanyl in it substances and they're smoking it and this is what the 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 young people are going to be you know motivated to do now and so the the culture has no more hope and it really comes down to an act of total self-destruction and and really just suicide and self-annihilation in a complete sense so that these young people have no hope and all the all the the executives and the high-powered media bosses and producers are going to promote miley cyrus dancing around like she's some kind of hooker and this is what this is hannah montana guys this is what your young people have grown up with and what's it's distilled and programmed with the most the most um influential musical hooks and the most well-crafted lyrical expertise are inventing new ways to corrupt your kids and to destroy this culture and it's completely it's gone completely rotten rotten to the core and so that's what i witnessed inside this jail is is a bunch of young men who don't know how to read they don't know how to think they don't know how to relate there was a ton of books in there to read they were made available didn't read any, couldn't read anything. And all they could do is just talk about the crimes they committed and talk about how they were prepared to commit more crimes when they got out from their sentences. And to take the drugs that are being brought over the borders and being cooked up in chemical labs in this country in various places and sell them to their own neighborhoods for a dollar to make a buck. And they want to act like that they're being suppressed and that they're poor and that they're in uh, ghettos and they have no ability to find any other way out but just sell crack and meth to each other and and of course if you're selling those drugs that you're going to be using them you're around them you're making you're in contact with it you're cooking it up you're going to be using those drugs too and they're so addictive and they they reduce your inhibitions so completely pretty soon you're walking around the streets like a madman and you're prostituting yourself and you're sleeping with random people and you're, do, you're doing behaviors you never normally would do 
and you've lost your mind. You're losing your soul and you've lost your children and now you're in jail and just pining away for more. So we have a major issue here in this culture. And we have a major issue down in Gainesville where the UF woke crowd and academia there, the students who are very privileged, young Asian and white people, right? Let's not talk about their background, whether they maybe they can't they came from Russian extraction or from perhaps Lithuania or maybe from Scotland or, or where in the world these particular pale faces with who are who are challenged in their melanin and their skin tone, right? Their pale faces. But they're so concerned about making sure that we push whitey down and, and lift people with brown skin up that they've created a toxic environment for the rest of the society. And to boot, they're hypocrites so completely disdainful that they've forgotten to go look in the jail where their work could be most effective, where they could actually do some kind of actual tangible good on helping some of these people win back their lives. But they, do, they totally ignore the jail. They ignore the, the, the terrible conditions there and the conditions within the society and poverty-stricken communities that are leading people to jail and to drug addiction. They have no concern about it. They just want to play national politics. They want to play political scientist. That's all they're interested in. That's, that's the only thing that means anything to them is making sure that they try to score blue versus red bipartisan points and feel woke. And give each other little little feelings of, of acceptance that they're that they they're, they're not a racist they're anti-racist right and anti-racism isn't racism right it's not bringing racial tensions to the forefront and causing people to look with suspicion upon one another prejudiced by their own skin tones before they can even speak right that's not what anti-racism does no so these morons in Gainesville are being subjected to a county that's in total tyranny where the courts are smashing people and they're sending people away without any due process that I could that I could notice, where you don't actually have lawyers who are going to defend you. The court's just providing a paralegal mouthpiece, public pretender, to basically explain why the, uh, they're going to send you away for as long as possible. They're not going to get discovery. They're not going to go and do any depositions. They're not going to deceive if there's any actual probable cause in your case. They're just going to hand you whatever they feel like. And you're just going to take it, boy. And so I, I'm amazed at this contrast of liberal values versus total political tyranny within the court systems there. Now, this whole slavery to an ID card or a driver's license, when I was a young man, I went and into the, the driver's license office and showed that I could drive. I showed that I had the skill and the wherewithal and the ability to drive, and I got my driver's license. And since then, I haven't forgotten how to steer the wheel. I haven't forgotten. I haven't lost any eyesight. I haven't lost my ability to drive the vehicle. But now the driver license issue is being used as a, as a measure to publicly reprimand or control the society. So I have a picture card. And on that picture card is me, my picture, my likeness. And whether somebody arbitrarily types into the computer, whether it's valid or invalid, I really don't know. Maybe there was a ticket and it blew way off my windshield and I forgot. And now my license is not valid. And now I'm a criminal. I'm a criminalized driver trying to go to work. You see what I'm saying? See the issue there? It's just arbitrary statutory law nonsense. Because I didn't commit a crime. I didn't do anything wrong. All I did was get up, get in my vehicle that I own, and try to use the, the public roadway to transport myself off to my job where I could make a living. But at any given time, for any just arbitrary, made-up reason, suddenly the state can just decide to just pull your, your car. I can understand if I was 89 years old and I couldn't see anymore, then yeah, maybe it's time to give up driving. But just to do it based on fees. You didn't pay the, the tickets in time. You didn't have enough money. I mean, I have to go to work to get the money to reinstate my license, right? I can't just sit home and die in the backyard. I have a responsibility to get up and make that, that vehicle drive and take it down to my, my job and be gainfully employed. So there's a big circular dilemma. It's a huge dichotomy of illogical insanity that they put you in, in a box where you have to have a picture card. It has to be valid. It has to be off. And if suddenly you, 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 they, somebody types in the computer that it's not on, then you're a criminal. And then if you give them some money and they type in the computer that it's back on again, well, you're not a criminal anymore now. And that's why people like me are spending time in jail 
over such completely insane bullshit that it's really hard to, it's hard to swallow. Of course, I'm a godly man. I have to submit to lawful authority. I can't be out there creating a, an uprising or a revolt against the government. That's not what the gospel calls me to do, to be a rebel against its authority and against government. That's not what I'm here to do. But I'm here to point out when the law is hypocritical and it's evil and it's enslaving people under debt load for Federal Reserve notes, it's time for me to speak out and have something to say about that. And I can't, I can't tell you enough that our constitutional rights in this country were created by our creator and reiterated by the founders of this country who were there to protect our natural rights that are just given to us by God, that you can see that you, you have to breathe air and you have to drink water and you have to be productive every day and labor hard to, to make a living and maybe even get ahead and create wealth for yourself. And you have to have a, a world of freedom and an environment of liberty. And you have to have those rights protected by government. And that those constitutional liberties and, and, and considerations were not established so that people could be murderous and vile and wicked and commit crimes and speak the most horrible and defiled words of, you know, of treachery. I mean, you got to recognize that the, the, this music culture out there, you better take a few minutes and go look it up and listen to some of the songs and what they're these people, these kids are taking that stuff seriously. I mean, you got to look over there in Chicago. It's just, it's just a murder cult, man. It's a, it's a constant. These guys want to go out, find somebody who's, who's unarmed, who's around somewhere and murder them to, to drop bodies. That's what they want to do. That, that it, these, these people are serial killers. We've spawned a generation of fatherless psychopaths who are going around the streets, getting the most dangerous weapons you can imagine and murdering police officers and murdering people in their own community just for kicks, just because they were on Molly. And one time as a trustee, I got pulled into a jail cell because I was a trustee nearby and, and the, the, uh, the, the jail corrections officers are not there to clean up they're not there to spray Germax everywhere and mop the floors, right? They're not there to sweep. They're there to secure the facility and maintain this, the, the, the safety and, and the, uh, the integrity of the facility and, and, and the inmates. And that's it. And then you, if you want to get out early and earn some time off your sentence, you get to be a trustee and you get to go clean up and do all the chores of making the food and making the trays and cleaning the, cleaning the kitchen and doing the laundry and doing all the functions of the jail that make it operate. At one time, I had to go into a particular area of the divisions where they house the most dangerous lockdown individuals, the most uh, dangerous red. They have to wear red suits because of their crimes. Their their charges are so are so um, violent. And I had to go into a cell where one guy was taking his feces and he was rubbing it all over the wall and had been spraying his pee all over the door jam. And I had to mop it up at the behest of the uh, of the jail guards there who, who have to get it clean, who have to create a, a safe environment. They can't have inmates with poop all over their cells. That's, that's that doesn't work that way. It's got to be you know, secure, and it's got to be sanitary, and it's got to be reasonably safe for the inmate to be in there. And when the inmate's losing his shit and his mind is breaking inside the cell because he's locked up 23 hours a day, and the reason why the inmate was locked up 23 hours a day is because he was recently sentenced for murder, and I found out later the reason why he was screaming and going insane is because he had murdered his own wife and daughter or, or kids with a pair of scissors. And the individual was in a cage. They had moved him out of the cell into a caged area. And he was screaming the most horrendous and horrifying words at the top of his voice with a broken vocal cords that were just totally demonic. They're just unbelievable. Speaking to the different sergeants and the different corrections officers there about how he was going to get out and how he, he worshipped Satan and he was rubbing poop on the wall to do voodoo. So that he could eventually come and murder the jail guards and just the most deluded, insane madness. And I, I wondered 
as he was, he was saying the jail guards name, he, he knew all their names intimately. And he was talking about how he was going to show up someday and rape their children and their, and their wives and murder them. And, and you know, he, you know, he was going to be given power by the devil to do his voodoo magic and he was going to get them. And he was screaming so loud that the other trustee was with me just left. He left the pod. He couldn't handle, he couldn't stay in there. And I remember just, just my hair standing up on my neck and realizing this person was totally lost. He was going to spend the rest of his natural life inside of a box, just like the one I saw there, a tiny little room, no bigger than a broom closet with a little cot, flat little ugly cot. And inside he had taken different books and magazines and cut pictures out of it of Oprah Winfrey and Jay-Z and other cultural icons and had masturbated all over the cell. And it just, it just looked like a total rat's nest. And they made me, of course, wear gloves and, you know, they they had to clean out the cell. And the guy would focus his attention on me and scream at me not to touch his personal items. And I noticed that I was, he he screamed at me, don't touch my boxers and my things. He had poop and and, and shit all over the place. And this person was completely destroyed. He was a young man. He had to be under, uh, in his 30s. And he was never going to get out of that hole again. And then from time to time, when I would roll my laundry cart through the area, I could still hear that man screaming out his cell. And hear the reverberations of his voice down the corridor as he screamed his madness. And that's what he'll be doing tonight, right now. And for every day henceforth, when you go out and do your life, there's going to be a man in a cell screaming insanity at the, at the COs because he was used by the devil to destroy his own family. And now his mind is broken and he's gone. He's lost. And one of the COs was even stepping forward to tell him, engage him in the, in the eye and tell him, I'm going to pray for you. I'm praying for you. And the man would scream at him and, 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 and get into the complexities of Bible discussions and telling him that he wasn't following the correct Mosaic law and all this, all, all this happening in a 10-minute in a, in a short period as the man's screaming nonstop to the point where it would hurt your ears. And he, he told the, the CO, I don't want you to pray for me, but I was amazed to see that all the different sergeants and the COs in the area were, were spine stiffened and they were upright and they were standing, but they were all broken to the cut to the core because they have to every single day secure that prisoner in that box and they and they themselves are the punishment of this guy to keep that shit closed to keep that box locked up make sure he gets his square meal gets his tray make sure his little laundry gets washed and make sure that he spends every single moment of the rest of his life until he dies in that hole what kind of job is that i mean who wants to do that job you got to ask yourself and i and i remember leaving out of there and it was so tense and so bizarre and surreal and just acidic it was palpable in the air you could cut the tension and, and the sense of like anxiety it was so thick and i just said to one of the ceos who was leaning back in one of the chairs i said just don't let it get to you and he said oh it's not it doesn't get to me it doesn't bother me but he was lying he was just lying because of course it gets to you day after day having to, to play that role, having to be a turnkey cop and just lock people up. And they're all wearing the same little you know, dehumanizing uniforms. And at some point, you just start to look at all the inmates like they're just scum. You can't bear to look at them. There's a sense of hatred with some of the guards. You really get to see who people are in that environment when you separate people like that into inmates and guards. And there were several times where I overheard the guards plenty of times in the most strange conversations. Just being in the fly on the wall, just passing through, just dropping off laundry and just being passive and quiet. And some of the guards just would talk about out loud in a loud voice about some of the women that were brought into the jail and how they had sex parties at their house and how they would do anything, quote unquote, and how they wished they had gone over there and, and got with that girl and, and got to do this. And, and they, they sounded like inmates. They talked just like inmates. Their attitude towards women was just like inmates. They're depraved and disgusting. Not all the guards, 
that some of them were just completely vile individuals who I can't imagine have the ability morally, have any ability to function in that environment without being abusive. And so it makes you wonder what what is coming to our culture. But in the same length, in that, in that dark, dark moment, I, I got to witness some points of light among the inmates, men who are truly transformed, and among the guards too, men who are truly good men, who in that kind of depressing, oppressive darkness of that environment, their light did not go out, and they were, they were inspiring the inmates, and they were positive, and they created an, an, an environment of positivity and hope that the inmates would, would be drawn to. They did their job. They locked everybody up. They, they did their count time. They, they ran the rules and split up fights and did everything that they needed to do as guards, but they were able to look at the inmates as human beings. You could feel it. While some of the other ones, I think that they just laughed. I remember sitting up one night getting ready to do the morning trays at 5 in the morning as the, uh, the guards are sitting around their little desk areas watching the cameras and leaning in intently to watch the different camera feeds. And then they would lean back and, and they would be laughing in raucous laughter out loud and high-fiving each other as they zoomed in to notice that some of the inmates would go off to masturbate and they could watch it on their video cameras and laugh hysterically over it. And I felt sick in my stomach as I realized that really nobody needs to go to jail. These people don't even need to be committing crimes in the first place to put themselves in this environment. And then I also had to just feel bad for the jail guards because it takes a toll on them and their soul. They really need to have a psychological evaluation. They really need to get their head checked if they're in that job for more than like two or three years. I mean, if you've been a jail guard keeping people incarcerated for more than like five years, you need to have your, your psyche totally checked. There's something wrong with your mind. If you haven't found a way to move on from that or go up in your career or go on to better things, if that's just your station in life is just to sit there and watch prisoners be imprisoned and to have disdain and a sense of hatred for them, you're sick. And, and the sickness of the inmates that many of those inmates carry in them is getting off on you. It's, it's, it's wiping off on you like shit wipes off on your boot. And the smell and the, and the, and the atmosphere and the, and the attitude and the vernacular, it's affecting you. And it's changing you. It's changing you into, and warping you into a weird monster. And, and you can tell because, you know, I got to put on the suit. I got to wear the, the trusty uniform and look like a criminal like everyone else. I don't feel like a criminal inside, but I'm on the criminal team. I'm part of the prisoners. But I get a good look, a really good inside look at what's going on inside that jail, and inside the culture, and inside the hearts and minds of men. And we have issues we need to talk about. And really with some of these issues, I'm just really pissing in the wind. It's like going down to the ocean and trying to, to wrestle the waves and push the, the, the tide of the ocean back with my body. I can't do it. I'm just some small podcaster guy. And the podcast has grown. It's grown a lot. A lot of people are interested in, in, in you know, tuning in and listening to the discussion here. And we're starting to get more people that were lining up for, for interviews and to try to expand this, this discussion and just expand our, our guests on this, on this show. And people sometimes get, I get feedback that the audio quality isn't that good. Well, guess what, guys? I'm not here to provide excellent audio quality for you. Okay, this is about information. It's about publishing the truth, and it's about getting the work done. I got to work a full-time job with overtime. Sometimes I work 10, 12 hours a day, and I don't get a lot of uh, support coming in at all. So you can go ahead and enjoy this, uh, this podcast like it's some kind of form of entertainment. And then, of course, you know, don't pay where you eat, right? Just listen to it and don't send me $2 of support. Don't bother, right? That, so, so I have to work a full-time job to support my family and also try to do the right thing as a conscientious objector and publish this, this broadcast here. And I got to tell you, guys down there, when you're uh, in the jail, you have no idea who those men are. You just look at a bunch of inmates in their uniforms and you think that you have a bunch of like petulant little slave boys that you can order around and, and 
give them DRs, which are disciplinary reports, and put them in the hole for 30 days because they crossed the red line or, or they had too many salt packets or they had a, a, a little pouch of tea that they smuggled away. And it's contraband, right? So you get to go in the box for 30 days for that. So imagine these jail guards who are, are so weak that they, have, they, they can't go like solve real crimes like Sherlock Holmes or like some kind of detective or an investigator would go like stop a rapist. Now they got to find ways to get you with a couple too many uh, sheets on your bed and then they get to break you down. Or you, if you have too many, too many books in your box, I was thinking, man, let these guys have a couple books in their box so that they can read, so they can maybe change their dynamic and, 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 and open their mind. But now they got to go and take your, your books, throw them in a bag and haul them away out of the pod. So that not only you're removing them from the individual, but you're taking them entirely out of the pod. So now we only have 10 books on the shelf and nobody can read anything. So it's, it's a complete bunch of bullies and retards down there who are picking on the inmates and are so hypocritical, they can't see that they're showing themselves to be cowards and fools, except for some of them. Some of them are wise and thoughtful men who, who, who had to follow the rules like everyone else, of course, but they were carefully thinking and considering the effects of what, what uh, being a hypocrite and, and going against the, the wisdom of your own logic and rules if you show yourself to be a criminal, if you have a bunch of criminals locked up and then you violate your own principles to, to basically use your arbitrary and unlimited power against the inmates, you're showing yourself to be a huge organized criminal band of sheriffs. So what you want to do is you want to help the inmates educate, especially when all the programs in the jail are shut down, including church, including the library and the law library too. So there's no movement. Everyone's just completely locked up all day because of COVID-19, because everyone's so scared of getting sick of COVID-19 that we can't, we can't have anybody move around the jail. We can't have any kind of NA or Narcotics Anonymous or drug classes or any kind of educational. I saw all the educational rooms in the jail just completely sealed up. Everyone's completely locked down in their, in their pods or in their little cells or in their little areas and nothing happens because we have to, we have to shut down all movement in the jail and make it a, a, true, a truly horrifying dungeon because of COVID-19 restrictions, right? Coming from Davos, coming from the, the, the World Economic Forum and from the United Nations telling us what to do down here in Alachua County, right? So Alachua County stoops down and listens to its slave master over there in the globalist world order and they tell him, you're going to have restrictions and everyone locked down and, and that's, what, that's what Alachua County does. They do what they're told. And in that little power play, in that vacuum of total obscene arbitrary tyranny, we have the courts smashing people for one woman went to jail for 60 days because she went in and she got herself an extra coffee You're, now when you go into wawa's you know when you go and you get you a coffee there's no free refills and if you sneak back in there and you steal one okay you steal another coffee that's stealing that's wrong now that's a sin that's a crime you stole that coffee you get to go to jail for 60 days in the sheriff's county and you know why you get to go in there for such a long sentence because it behooves the department of the jail to make as much money off each individual who gets incarcerated as humanly possible. So the longer they keep you there, the more charges they give you, the more beds they fill up, the more jail space they, that people occupy, the more federal funding they get to have. And we were laughing about the hypocrisy of it because the more COVID cases they could come up with, the more money per day that they could get. So they, they have this, what they call a, a quarantine pod, and they stick everyone in there when they first come in the jail for two weeks. And of course, they put you in there, they test, you test negative, you don't have COVID, they put you in quarantine. And if you do have COVID, they set you aside and give you your own individual space where you can just ride it out and get better 
and then you can be clear of COVID before they put you back in the general populace. But somehow there would always be five or 10 cases that would arise in this quarantine pod. And they would take them out and and then we'd try to clean up the cell and clean it with germ spray and try to clean it up and kill the germs. And then, of course, there would be more cases and it just would go on and on and on. And it was interesting to me because the jail guards would always come in and they would be coming coughing into their shoulder, coughing into their mask, coughing. And they were the only ones in the environment who got to leave the jail and come back, go to Winn-Dixie, go to the gas station, go home, touch all the doorknobs, go out to the public and then come back in the jail and bring illness of whatever stripe could be norovirus or could just whatever kind of contagious, you know, flu symptoms there were, bring it into the jail. And then you have this, this quarantine pod who have people that can't move, who are constantly getting ill. And of course, it behooved the jail in some kind of like monstrous, elaborate, scandalous kind of jerk off show to just keep people getting sick. So they had individuals who were pointing out to their family members that they had huge COVID outbreaks in the jail. And then they, their phone privileges would be revoked because you can't have people calling home and talking about it. And it got to such an extent that you can look up the news yourself that Alachua County Jail in the last few months has had a huge COVID outbreak to the point where guards were, were being sent home and inmates were, were getting sick. And um, of course, I, I, w- I was blessed by the Lord. I was able to pass through that entire environment without getting sick at all. But that's because I have natural immunity. Because all the different phases of the virus, all the different variants that came through, I got ill. I got symptoms. I stayed home. I got better and I went back to work and my immune system had updated. It adjusted. It, it learned to cope with these new uh, variants. And I never took some kind of artificial medicine from Washington, D.C., a free shot to stave off the effects. So my natural immunity gets very strong, was kicked in. So when I walked through that environment, I didn't get any symptoms and I didn't get sick at all. And whenever they tested me for COVID-19 or whatever, I always tested negative because my immune system can handle it and just kills it. Now, if you take the, the vaccine, you're giving your system a boost, a, a response, an immune response, but it's not the natural immunity. So you, you won't maybe get the symptoms, but you're going to shed the virus. You're going to be, as, as you go around, you're going to spread the virus all around. And then later on, when your shot, your vaccine wears off and the effects of it diminish, you're still going to be vulnerable to COVID-19 because you haven't got natural immunity yet because you still need to get sick and your, your immunity needs to face the virus directly and adjust. And when you get a COVID-19 shot, it doesn't address all the other variables and all the other uh, variants that are coming out. So you have the Omicron, which passes right through the vaccine of the COVID-19 because you don't have an Omicron vaccine, right? Use your brain. You don't have an Omicron vi- uh, vaccine. You have a COVID-19 vaccine, but COVID-19 is gone. That was the old variant from several years ago. Now we have a new variant. The virus adjusted and changed. And it became something different. A little, a little adjustment could pass right through the, the vaccine. So all you're doing is using the vaccine to weaken your immune system with an immune response that isn't sufficient to fight Omicron. So you still got sick anyway. So how insane is that? World Health Organization, my ass. You're a bunch of fools. And a lot of these guys in the jail are showing themselves to be really sick. I'm just saying, really sick individuals that, that really need help. They need help more than some of the inmates. And some of these inmates are, you know, and that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with a criminal culture, a crime wave, where these young men have nothing better to do and try to show themselves to be on worldstar, you know, dot com and try to, you know, or, or some kind of like other TikTok or other popular, I mean, on Twitter, they got to show themselves knocking somebody out, maybe an old bum or maybe somebody who owes them some drug money who isn't ready and you just knock them out on camera and then you put it, you put it on blast on Facebook, right? And you show everybody how cool you are. 
or you wave your pistols around on Facebook, or you do, you, you smoke weed on, on, on videos on Snapchat, you show all your friends how cool you are. That's, that's where we're, that's where we're going. That's where the culture is completely degraded to the very bottom. It's a cesspool. So now we're at this flooding point where the, the tipping point of our culture has come to this collapsing state where people are blacks and whites now. And, and you, you judge everybody based on the tone of their skin color. So when you look at their skin, you know if they're an oppressor or an oppressed or a victim or a victimizer based on revisionist reading of history. And of course, my ancestors came over from the boat from Ireland in the 1860s. They arrived here from an event that they call the potato famine. It really wasn't a potato famine. It was really just an orchestrated collapse of the Irish economy, an orchestrated famine that pushed tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Irish people who didn't want to starve back home into the United States, the only place that they were allowed to really go. And these Irishmen, when they got off the boat in order to gain their citizenship in the United States and to become citizens of New York State or whatever state they happened to be residing in, they had to go join the Union Army. And tens and tens and tens of thousands of Irishmen in order to protect their families and get a living wage and, and, and provide for their families were conscripted into the Union Army to fight for Lincoln to go down to the South and fight the Southern men in order to free the slaves. That's what my ancestors did. So don't, don't tell me who's an oppressor and who's an oppressed or who's white or what, what skin color. I'm an Irish man. I'm not a white boy. I really resent that, that, that in jail, there was people that call themselves the N-word, the niggas, and then you have the white boys. And I got to tell you what, I'm not a boy. I haven't been a boy for 30 years and I'm not white. I'm Irish. And I know where my ancestors come from. They came from Philadelphia. And before Philadelphia, they came from Ireland. And some of them from Germany who, who immigrated here. And they weren't part, members of the South. And they weren't part of the Confederacy. And they didn't hold any slaves. In fact, they were treated horribly and enslaved in their own way when they came here to the United States and suffered their own persecution as being new immigrants. And the fact that they had pale skin didn't save them. And they weren't whites at that point. They were mixed. They were just Irish dogs. So my ancestors had to survive the Civil War and die. Many, most of them, how, how, how many 20, 50, 80,000 Irishmen died? Maybe they were putting it into a mass grave up in Alusti. Over, over in Alusti is a huge Civil War battlefield here in Florida, and there's a mass grave of Union soldiers. I wonder how many of those Union soldiers were put in that mass grave were marched down from New York City off the boats, put muskets in their hand to come down here and fight the, the rebels in order to free the slaves. And now you got to tell me that I'm a racist and I'm some kind of like white supremacist. I'm some kind of like oppressor. I'm white. I mean, that, that's, that's an insult. And really the whole characterization of people into black, these two camps, these black and white camps, there is no racial distinction or ethnic background that's black and white. That's just dividing people up into oppositional groups. Those are just op- oppositional principles. Like like a chessboard. You're pitting people against one another by making them blacks. It's a political identity. It's not a racial group anymore. That's why you have all these people, all these young people are going around with Black Lives Matter, and they have white skin, if you will. They come from a European, Caucasian background, and they have pale skin. But they're blacks now, understand? Because black is just a political movement. It's not a racial distinction. We can't characterize ourselves as these oppositional forces pitted against one another and still be a country. We can't hate each other based on our ethnic background and preconceived perceptions and these notions of what racial heritage we are because those, those distinctions are, are superfluous and they don't have any real meaning. And you can't really know somebody until you sit down and talk to them and get to know them. So we already, we already marched with Martin Luther King Jr. And Malcolm X already took his stand to fight for the, the, the freedom of people who have African background and, and, and a black ethnic history or an American, an African-American ethnic 
roots. And we, and you know what? You can't just put everybody into these prejudice categories and expect the American people as a whole to be able to survive when they're infighting. It's being built in. It's being built in the universities. It's being built in in academia. This teaching and coaching seminars of critical race theory is being pumped through the Pentagon. How, how can you have team cohesion even among the officers when you have people looking down their nose at each other because of their, their, their skin color? It's, it's ridiculous. And it's really just profane. It's just a really an acidic way for the, 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 to create an environment where the culture eats itself up and, and is suspicious of itself and can't stand to look at each other because of melanin in your skin. Melanin. Melanin is the, is the particular pigment in your skin color that, that allows you to have a tone of complexion in your skin. It allows you to get a tan when you go and, and, and go out into the sun. So you have all these different people groups from all over the world. Maybe they're Eskimos. Where do, where do Eskimos fit into your black and white race chart? How about people who are from Puerto Rican, Puerto Rico? As far as I can tell, all the guys in jail, they like to use the word nigga, and they like to think of themselves as black because they don't want to be white because being white is a bad thing because you're an oppressor because the popular culture has now made it a bad thing to be somebody who has light-colored skin. What about my ancestors who fought and died to make sure the Emancipation Proclamation actually had any meaning and gave up their lives to support their families to make sure the people who were enslaved in the South, whatever color they were, were not enslaved and were free and had the, the right to be protected under the Constitution just like everyone else. Is that what William Wilberforce fought for? The, the, the freedom and the dignity of people who were being enslaved by the millions from sub-Saharan Africa and the slave routes and the transatlantic slave routes? Did, did he fight for them in order to ultimately put pit everyone into oppositional groups fighting against one each, each other and blacks and whites. It's, it's sick. And it's really just a childish and awful program of destabilization for the wider culture. So there was men of God in the jail, and they were of all different ethnic backgrounds and racial distinctions. And thank God for them. Because without them, that place would be truly a horror. But those men were praying, they were reading their Bible, they were encouraging other inmates. The, the, I saw that some of the jail guards were having discussions about the Bible and had the Bible open with inmates. I saw it with my own eyes. And those are the kind of things that make the, the society live and, and carry on, is because we have the hope of the gospel. Let's keep that in mind. So what we really have in America right now is a cabal of the globalist elite who occupy the powerful positions in both parties of this bipolar, bipartisan nation where we have operators who are, like we said, internationalists, highly wealthy individuals who don't really care for the actual condition of America as, as a sovereign nation, who, who are driving America into the ground. In, in Washington, D.C. is a uniparty system. They call it the party of Davos. That's, that's the kind of terminology we use to describe the the internationalist elite who are coming out of the World Economic Forum, the Klaus Schwab's of the world, who are just interested in, in managing the global plantation. And having a powerful, independent, uh, you know, wealthy, sovereign nation in America is not part of the program. And they've, th this cabal has worked hard to use the military apparatus, the, the medical, military, industrial complex of the United States to, to be the policemen of the world, to guard their operations, to, to manage events in Afghanistan, to control the, the, the flow of opium, to manage the other tributary states of the city of London, who, uh, you know, especially in the Middle East, because, of course, as we know, the Middle East is, is a, a set of countries that was divided up from the fall of the Ottoman Empire in World War I. So the Ottoman Empire had existed for quite a few centuries when the British Navy destroyed the Ottoman Empire and 
divided it up into all the different segments we see in the Middle East now, the, the, the nation of the Kingdom of Jordan and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and, you know, the different various nations of Tajikistan and Iran and Iraq and all the different various Arab and Persian countries that are divided up in the Middle East now were once a, a, a coalition of a multi, multicultural nation called the Ottoman Empire. So in the fall of the Ottoman Empire, the British carved it up, created Syria, created Pakistan, created all these, these different tributary countries that really serve the interest of the, the global elite. And, and the military in the United States has been used to really monitor and control and steer events, especially in the Middle East, and to dictate the flow of oil and to stabilize the, the Federal Reserve note as the international reserve currency. And you have to recognize that the, the international reserve currency, the Federal Reserve note, is something that we all are working hard every day to get. And, and it's, it's the national currency and it's the national debt money of the United States. So before the Federal Reserve note, the, the United States had different currencies depending on which state you're in. You might have uh, various banks issuing currency in, in Missouri or in Pennsylvania or in New York. Different uh, you know national banks would, uh, in New York or so on and so forth, would issue their own banknotes and people would trade those different currencies and maybe they would be successful and be more valuable or maybe they would be less successful and be less valuable. But you know th this idea of having a single national currency for the whole United States has given the international banking elite a tremendous amount of power. So we're all working hard to get these Federal Reserve notes so we can try to pay our bills and pay our, our tickets when the cops pull us over and pay our taxes to the IRS because, like I said, I, I, I had lost my license because I didn't have enough Federal Reserve notes. And I had a stockpile of silver, which was depleted when I went into jail because I had to sell a lot of it. And I had some scrap wire from doing electrical work. I, I got some scrap wire uh, set aside, and I, you know, and I had to, I had a different different commodities that I had built up that were valuable. But of course, that particular value and that and that particular financial asset that was available to me, I had to liquidate it at all and put it into Federal Reserve notes so that I could go around and try to pay my bills and pay my rent and pay my tickets and pay my taxes and, and pay my child my past due child support from, I have a daughter who's now 23, but they still are, are hounding me about some past due child support that payments that, that never got paid and every once in a while they'll take my license away whenever they feel like it and I'll just be driving around and I'll have no idea that my license has been revoked again. And then if, the, if, I, if I get pulled over for just some random stop, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm a criminal. I'm criminalized because I have my ID card and somebody put in the computer that I owe money somewhere. And, and, and that's, that's the whole point is that the, the Washington, D.C. just prints out like on a napkin, like, like on a, like a post-it note. They just print out ink and paper and pump out trillions of these Federal Reserve notes. And all of a sudden we're all striving and working and breaking our backs trying to get with these low wages and this spiraling inflation debt cycle where we're breaking our backs to try to accumulate federal reserve notes so we can survive and they just print them out on a printing machine and, and like we said before this is an international reserve currency so all the major financial contracts and major economic transactions for instance if you want to go and and you're venezuela and you want to get a, a shipment tanker of oil uh, or, or petroleum or, or gasoline or what have you and buy it on the, the international market from from russia or from uh, Iran or Iraq or from Saudi Arabia and you want to, you know, whoever is providing the oil and you want to buy it, 
your your Venezuelan money is no good on the international market. You gotta you gotta get Venezuelan money and you gotta trade it over and acquire Federal Reserve notes because all the transactions have to be made in Federal Reserve notes. So if you're gonna buy a twenty or fifty million dollars worth of oil or or equipment or you need to build up some some weapons for your military defense, you you better make sure you you find a way to get those Federal Reserve notes and get some bank notes or bank credit that is translated into Federal Reserve notes. And that's the only way to buy massive amounts of, of commodities on the, uh, on the market. And so everywhere else in the world has to find a way to, to acquire the dollar, the petrodollar as they call it. But of course the United States doesn't have any problem because they just have some paper and some ink and brrr, they just print it up and all of a sudden they have the Federal Reserve notes as much as they want. And, and of course this printing up the paper, what gives it value is that we're borrowing the credit line from the Bank of England and from other uh, international banking institutions. We're borrowing the credit line. And once they approve, they'll be like, yeah, you can borrow another trillion uh, of credit line. Then we print out the debt notes that represent that value, like little receipts. And then we, we go and spend them. And everyone else, including you and me, it has to find a way to break our backs with our low wages to try to earn some of these Federal Reserve notes before Congress and the military defense budget and Washington, D.C. blows out all the money. And then they run out because there is no money. We're, we're completely deficit. We're completely bankrupt in this country. And we're borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. And we can't afford to pay it back. It doesn't matter if you try to, to leverage $150,000 per American citizen. I mean, I guess the ones with Social Security numbers, right? All, all the illegal immigrants who jumped the border or who, or who got here from Cuba or, or flew into Cuba from Egypt and then jumped the border and are running around the country working and acquiring Federal Reserve notes and you taking up jobs. That's really what they're doing. They're taking up your job. They're not the ones who are on the hook for this debt. They're not the ones who are sending these, uh, voting to send these people to Washington, D.C. To, to incur all this debt on our backs. No, that's that's the voter. That's you and me. That's the people with the Social Security numbers. They're borrowing this debt against your Social Security number. You're, you're in debt for that money for those, those that debt note that they're borrowing. So you need to figure it out. You need to stop being a fool and stop being a, a, an idiot over there and just being a, a useful, a kafir. That's what you are. That's what the, the Ottoman Empire, the uh, the Muslim world will call you, a kafir. Just a, another slave boy. Just a step and fetch it. Just a servant. Because now, right now, they, they've devaluated our dollar practically nothing and you still can't get a raise. You should be making 50 bucks an hour because just to keep up with the cost of, of a can of soda or a bag of chips in the store or a gallon of gas, but you can't keep up. And the rents are going higher and higher, 1500 1700 2000 That's how much it is for rent. Look around. You can't afford to live in your own country anymore because you're not going to be able to earn enough Federal Reserve notes because the wages are being driven down, the prices are going up, it's, and, it, and we're at the end of the debt cycle of this currency. It's collapsing. That's why the, the, when you go in the store and the, the shelves are bare, it, no one can keep up. There's no, there's no productivity and there's no value left in people working. People are just going to go on COVID unemployment benefits and get extra, extra money. In Oklahoma, there were, there were, you know, people were getting $600 a week just to stay at home and not do anything. This is the managed destruction and decline of the currency and of the value of our financial system. So this is going to be an international, it's going to be a great depression like that would happen in 1929, except for this time, it's going to be an international downturn that is not recoverable. So people are going to starve. There's going to be a famine. There's, there's going to be no one able to go to work. There's going to be no one able to afford workers. And it's already beginning. And so we have this this complete moron, and this, uh, this senile fool Biden in office who's a dangerous idiot. And of course, we can't really thank Trump for very much because he, he, he pushed the debt ceiling up past where Obama had it. 
So we need to get rid of the Federal Reserve note. We need to just renege on the entire agreement and stop borrowing this money. And we need to start to go back on the gold standard and produce hard currency. Look it up. Get your phone out. Get on Google and look up hard money. That's silver and gold money. It's it's silver certificates that are backed by hard currency that have value instead of this implied debt note fiat currency system that we have now. So that's the problem. These counties, they can't get enough money. They're collapsing in in Alachua. They're they're deficit. They're charging the inmates, uh, putting them in debt. You know, five dollars a day to stay in the jail, and they're leaving them in jail for months and months at a time to rack up debt. So when you get out, you're criminalized again because now you have a financial debt burden on you. And if you don't pay it, of course, they'll probably put a civil lien on you, or maybe they'll they'll attack your license and your ability to drive. So you just be stuck at home. You can't go out and drive because if you do, you go back to jail and, and you earn more debt for the jail. So it's a sick, revolting, tyrannical system of slavery that we're in. So the problem again and again and again is that the people, you out there, you don't understand the Federal Reserve System. It sounds like part of the government. It sounds like some kind of like pocketbook of the government. Federal Reserve. But as we have to say over and over and over again, that the Federal Reserve banking system is not government. It's private. It's privately owned. There's class A, triple A creditors who are incredibly massively wealthy, who are anonymous, who fund our debt, who we borrow money from. That's why we have to lift our debt ceiling and borrow more money because we're, we're, we're bankrupt. It's just like as if you had a credit card and you maxed it out and you had to go to a, use a different credit card and, and try to extend the credit line. Another, you know, to get $20,000 more of credit line on your credit card to, to use that up and, and you don't have any way to pay it back and you're just going downhill and the interest rate's going up. And that's why our AAA credit status as America, as a nation, is, is starting to default. And right now, Congress has a bill to uh, a stopgap measure, whatever the hell that means, in order to fund the government, which is mean just print out enough money just for another few months while they try to hash out what they're going to do next because there's nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else to go. We're at the end of this financial system here in America. And the Federal Reserve System is not federal, and it's not a reserve. It's an international debt system. Understand? So you have to go ahead and get out your phone and do some research and try to find out how it is that America, the great and powerful country that we imagine that we are, we put our hand over our heart, we pledge allegiance to the flag, we send our young men off to, to fight noble wars, right? And to, and to uh, get COVID vaccinated and to uh, learn all about critical race theory in the Pentagon. That's what our generals are doing, these political general hacks, these, these, these guys who want to start funding sex change surgeries, sex reassignment surgeries for our soldiers because we want to be woke in the military. Well, these other armies out there, like in Russia, they don't have this particular political problem. And you, you don't think that Putin is aware that we're at the end of our death cycle and that their financial system isn't terribly strong, but it's not collapsing out from underneath. So how are we going to... Our, our, our nuclear missiles are only good for 10 years before they have to be decommissioned and replaced. How, how are we going to keep upgrading our military arms? I mean, you can, you can print out a trillion dollars and give it to the military budget, but what happens when your, your dollars aren't worth but a penny? They're not worth the leaves on the ground, like I like to say. You go ahead and rake the leaves in your yard and imagine they're more valuable than your, your dollars. And we're really just losing money because the Federal Reserve can't, can't afford to get enough copper to print out pennies, to, to, to press pennies, because it's just not worth it. Because a penny of copper, you might as well just melt them down and take them to the scrapyard because you'll, you'll get a better dividend. See, our money system is collapsing. We need to find a way to become solvent again. And as America, as a nation, we have to stop feeding into this system of taxation where we're being taxed to death. 
where they just arbitrarily, just depending on what political party comes in, they just decide, well, now you're going to pay this much. Now you're going to pay 50. Oh, you're doing really well. You're doing financially well. Well, now you got to pay over half of your money to the government. It's insane. It's insane. We shouldn't allow it. We shouldn't permit it as a people. We should be all in one accord, but they have us divided against ourselves. We're all looking at each other's skin color. We're all wearing Trump hats or, or wearing, you know, homosexual rights flags. You know, that, that, you know that's, what, that's what the military was doing in the embassy over there in Afghanistan before Afghanistan fell under Biden. It just, was, it just rolled over and spread its legs for the uh, Taliban to come in because they put up gay rights flags, rainbow flags at the embassy and kind of offended the entire nation. Even the different factions and the different Sunni Shiite warlords who fight each other were all against the homosexual ideals and ideology of the Americans. Okay, so we have to start to look at our own country, whether it's going to be able to survive. A, a country of people that can't reproduce, who value a homosexual lifestyles over and above marriages, because the, the government doesn't fund marriages. You have to have baby daddies to get food stamps. You have to have multiple children by multiple men. And no, you can't have a man in the home. You can't have a man in the home with his income, because if you have a man in the home with an income, you can't get welfare. So, of course, you want to have a man who slides in and slides out. It's a backdoor man. But you can't, you can't be valid. You can't be a valid marriage. You can't have a valid relationship. Because if you did and you, and you wrote down the kind of income that was coming into your home, you could lose all your food stamps benefits, right? So this is, the, this is how you get welfare queens. So we in America better get our, our act together pretty fast. We better all get on the same page as soon as possible because we have powerful enemies who are not interested in seeing our national sovereignty continue. Or they're not interested in seeing the, the democratic populism of the American people who have the ability to change and alter and direct forward progress of their government and change their political leaders at will in the ballot box. They have no interest in seeing that take place. You have to recognize that we as Americans, the original founding fathers, if you want, the original patriots who gave their lives to see America's uh, original documents created and instituted and, and brought into become the, the foundation stones of our government, had to fight against monarchical tyranny. And they had to fight against the throne of England. And that throne of England that we had to fight against for our liberty, it still exists. And it looks like it's doing just fine. In fact, our, our whole system of, of American nationalism here in, in, uh, in, in the U.S. is totally in debt to the sovereign banking system of London. And we have, we're totally enthralled. We, we cannot say a single word to our creditors. We're the debtors. We owe these trillions of dollars and, and everything that you have in your home that you bought with Federal Reserve notes and all the Federal Reserve notes that we printed out. We owe that back plus interest to these banking monopolies, to these international banking cartels who, who run the different mineral deposits and the different gemstone mines and diamond mines and, and run the, the different commodities of the world. And they own the sapphire mines. They, you know, th these are the different individuals who represent imperialism, who, who represent the dukes and the viceroys and the counts and the, the princes and the nobility and the aristocracy of Europe. And you still have King Juan Carlos of Spain. You still have Queen Beatrix and her, her new son is who's the king of the Netherlands. And you still have the Prince of England who's going to soon be the king of England, you still have these powerful, financially, economically dominant royalists and monarchists 
who are interested in controlling the global stage. And they're, they're interested in making sure that they influence the outcome of our future here in, in, in America. In America, we don't have an aristocracy. We're not supposed to. We don't have kings and queens that rule over us and we're subjects. And we're and by breeding and by blood, we're just inferior. We're, we're all equal. And, and the president of the United States and the congressmen and all, all the different, the, the Supreme Court justices, the judge, uh, the judges and the courts in Alachua County, they should all be subjected to the same law that the people are subjected to. There shouldn't be this multiple classes, this wealthy elite class and all the uh, the serfs underneath. Okay, that's, that's what's happened. So we have to recognize that our country is becoming unmoored. The documents that are, that are supposed to protect our rights are completely superfluous. So that, that means that the actual articles of confederation that created the Supreme Court, created the presidency and created the Congress, have become undermined. So that those offices of authority and those houses of legislation and lawmaking, these lawmaking bodies are no longer legal. They're no longer lawful bodies. And we need to go ahead and hold them accountable and pull them down, get a de jure constitutional government back in place, create an atmosphere of financial stability and create and re and reestablish a foundation of economic and financial stability in this country by backing a currency with gold and silver, which has value, which has a denominational metric that can be counted on and, and which preserves value over time. Maybe each of the states, the individual states, need to have their own currency. Maybe Florida should have its own Florida dollar. And maybe Missouri and California should own should have their own banks and their own their own wealth. And if those countries, those uh, particular states or national enterprises, if you want, if they can't hold up their their, their solvency and they become insolvent, then that's their problem. Then they'll learn how to have a, a, an environment where it's competitive and, and we have winners and losers and we have a situation where our economic system is ruled by meritocracy. That those who are the most financial responsible and the, who build the, the best places for people to live and who build uh, work, you know, working conditions where people can earn a better living, then people will go there. And that, that's what we need. We need to stop being beholden and enthralled to the, this supposed supremacy of this capital city, this tyranny in Washington, D.C. And we, we need to recognize that these, uh, these international intelligence agencies, these CIAs, these FBIs, they're, they're just there to uphold the power structure of Washington, D.C. And they're here to, to break down the independence and the sovereignty of the states. They're here to overrun the individualists in the states. That's why you had them go around and arrest people in different states and drag them back to Washington, D.C. for the January 6th uprising or whatever you want to call it. They want to call it insurrection. The, you can see that the FBI had the Ray Epps and all the different individuals who are a suspect in the crowds, urging the crowd, their federal operators, federal agents, uh, urging the crowd into the Capitol in order to create this insurrection or to create this modicum of supposed rebellion so they could have some kind of emergency authority to operate on. And then they wanted to go use all the images on, on Facebook and all the images on the internet and go just round up people and do mass roundups across the United States. Individuals have been talking about mass roundups for a long time, but they're, they're conspiracy nuts. They're conspiracy theorists. Well, now they've created the conditions where they could have mass roundups. And that's you and me. That's you and me on this podcast. You want to question the basis of their authority to attack and detain the American people without cause, suspending habeas corpus so that there's no bond, there's no bail, there's no court dates. 
there's no constitutional rights it's all suspended and they just want to come get you like a gestapo nazi and just turn you into a dungeon and put you in a cell and just throw away the key and your wife can't get you out and you're nobody there's no lawyer that can defend your rights there's no way to get you in front of a, a judge because all the courts are running under under military authority they're running under military due process of law this isn't civil courts these aren't civil procedures that we're dealing with this is admiralty law you need to look it up. You need to go ahead and do your research and recognize that our country is in a state of severe emergency war powers. And these emergency war powers really began with Link, with Abraham Lincoln. He was the first one to use executive orders. You, did, you don't have Washington, D.C. or Thomas Jefferson or John Adams. They didn't use executive orders to just run the military like a like a commander-in-chief, like they're like the top general. They had to, if they wanted to do anything with the military, they had to go get permission from Congress. If they wanted to... That's what, the, that's what the, the, the Constitution says, is that we would coin our money in gold and silver. Are we doing that? Are we coining our money in gold and silver? When you get a nickel out of your pocket, is that silver? No, man, it's a cadmium zinc blank with a little bit of silver plating on it. It's a fake money, okay? It, it, it was before John F. Kennedy was killed, but we had silver coins. It was like 70% silver at that point. They were already devaluing it, so it wasn't really pure silver. So you gotta recognize, our, our, we are on play, we're on play money. Go in the store, go in the little... In, in Publix or in whatever super duper whatever you know little grocery stores around you go look in the toy section and go buy some play money and that's what your money is your money is just play money it isn't real it doesn't really hold value and all it is is a debt note it says right on it this is good for debt it's a private banking instrument that's created by the Federal Reserve System and they borrow that money that credit line from international lenders so we're, we're we're doomed. We're doomed because the people that are out there working in day labor to go out to, to get their couple $20 bills to buy a crack rock and a 40, which is a, a big bottle of beer, and go out and look for a hooker, you know, that, that's, that, that's where we're at. We're, we're completely debased as a country. Our entire system of laws, our entire system of military defense is completely debased because you have the Clintons out there selling secrets to the highest bidder. How do you think the Chinese got all these advanced weaponry? They don't have any kind of technology, technological base. They don't have any kind of academic prowess, any kind of like intellectual substance by which they can just advance technology. They just steal it from us. And we use it to better mankind, but they're using it to create weapons of war to destroy us. So we got major problems. We have to stop letting this government in Washington, D.C., this national government rule over us and have us at each other's throats with these policies of d d politics of division. Politics, again, you know, putting the, uh, the, the, the Christian baker who doesn't want to bake a gay cake against the homosexual community or the people who are in the, uh, the Latino community against the people who are in the Filipino community or the, the people who are called whites against the people who are blacks as they have riots and race riots are, are mounting across the country and, 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 and the different gangs in Chicago shoot each other like 35 young deaths per weekend. Nobody's saying a word. Where does Obama? Doesn't he care about any of this? They don't care. They're just furthering the internationalist agenda which is to decimate and destroy the American populace and have us have no idea what's going on because we're all addicted to drugs. We're all going down to the pill mills to get 30s. You know, the Roxies. we got to have Roxies. We're addicted to opium. And, you know, that we are so sick and we're so lost that we don't even have any pathway back to a, a stable financial system. So we, we, go vote for Trump. Go vote for Trump. But what's he going to do? Just raise the debt limit some more and borrow some more money? Print out some more paper money? It's unsustainable. It's an unmanageable debt cycle. We, we're not going to be able to pay back those trillions of dollars. Our kids, kids 
are being put on the hook for this debt. They're not even born yet. And of course, we're aborting every fifth baby is not there. Every fifth American has been aborted. It's, an, it's, a, it's a, a genocide against the black race and these abortion clinics. If you love black people, we need to end abortion because 70 to 80% of abortions are black babies. It's an annihilation of the, of the black, of the, of the, of the African-American community. I mean, the word black doesn't have any meaning. It doesn't re- reference any race. It just means you lost your race. Whatever tribe or I, I met a guy when I was in jail who was from Nigeria and he was here in America and he had gotten an argument with uh, somebody in Checkers and they they, they they wrote a sworn complaint against him. That's how Alachua is run on sworn complaints. So if anybody just does a sworn complaint against you, you go to jail. It doesn't matter if there's any evidence. They they, they trespassed him against Checkers, but he wasn't even, he wasn't at Checkers anymore. This guy he was down the street walking home and they rolled up on him and arrested him and put him in jail. He was in jail for 40 days when I left over a supposed trespassing issue of checkers because they messed up his food. If any, anybody in Alachua County does a sworn complaint against you, you're going to jail for at least 40 days, just so you know. It's completely screwed. It's completely screwed. Like I can just call the cops on anybody I want and put anybody in jail. And everybody in Alachua County knows it. So there's no actual defense of, of uh, or, or actual presumed innocence. So the cops are just riding around, arresting whoever they want, put, and the judges are putting you in jail, getting the COVID relief money from the federal government. And it's just a, it's just a fish market. They're just there, just shooting fishes in a barrel. And everybody that comes up in front of them, they just bam them. They're trying to send people to prison for who, who didn't even do anything at all wrong. I mean, the judge himself told me that I could go to prison for a year if I didn't, if I drove with a suspended license for a year, a year of my life. I might get what 80 turns around the sun, maybe 80 years of life, and they're gonna put me in jail for an entire year if I don't keep my license. I, I, is it suspended right now? I gotta call my wife. I gotta call her and have her check it right now to see if my license is suspended. Because I don't know. They could suspend it any time. There's no telling. I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't driven over the speed limit. I mean, but suddenly maybe, maybe they just suspended because um, I owe the Alachua County Jail like $400 because I was in jail. And maybe they want to attach that to my license. And all of a sudden my license is suspended until I pay them. This is the kind of bullshit tyranny that we're dealing with in this country. It's all getting swept under the rug. No, no one is paying attention. All the woke students at the University of Florida, none of them have any idea what's going on inside their own community. So we need to go ahead and just take a few minutes to think about where we're headed in this country as we as we take our unborn children and put them into massive international banking debt to a debt a collapsing debt currency that's why they want to go into iran I'm not, i don't support iran and i don't support venezuela and i don't support these other countries out there that have abysmal human rights records and who don't have any interest in, in having democracy or freeing the people but the point is is that the, the system the power structure in america wants to control those countries so that they can further the lifeblood of their currency so they can force them out and put their financial debt systems in place in those countries and force them to become debtor nations to the global plantation, the global fiat currency plantation. And that's what the World Economic Forum is doing. That's what the party of Davos is doing. That's what they're doing. They know that America is at the end of its financial freedom. And what do you think? Kamala Harris, that prostitute, think she's going to be able to get us out of our situation? They sent her over to the to the NATO summit. It's an embarrassment. Can't you see how embarrassing it is on the world stage? What are you supposed to be proud because we have a leader with a vagina? Up there, we couldn't find, like, we have lots of really intelligent women in this country, profoundly strong, governing leaders, powerful political women who have integrity and who have honor. And we had to send that farcical idiot, Kamala Harris, over to the, the NATO summit in order to, to, to show that we have a prostitute. She was, everyone knows that Willie Brown was the governor of California 
and she was she used to be his lover. He used to give him blowjobs. That's how she became a, pros- a prosecutor, a prostitutor, right? So she she went on the on a popular hip hop radio show and said how she loved to smoke weed. But she's on record of after prosecuting 1,700 different weed cases and putting people in prison for weed in California when she was a prosecutor. Then she wants to be a hypocrite and go on Charlemagne is a God show. What a what a freaking idiot that is. What kind of moron names himself Charlemagne the God? Charlemagne the God, you're a moron. You're a, a narcissistic, retarded fool. Someday you're going to grow up and be a big boy with your big boy pants on and realize you got to change your name because you're stupid. And on your show, Kamala Harris admitted that she's a hypocrite and she's a complete political hack because you can't be sitting home smoking weed because your folks are from Jamaica (laughs) and then also putting people in prison for weed and so obviously these are the subject matter that we're going to have to deal with in coming episodes and we're going to work hard to speak the truth no matter what the cost is we're going to work hard to make it plain the the controversy and the convoluted kind of mystical problems that we're having in this country that people that the, the news media will not report and the hollywood sycophants will constantly uplift the united nations as the the answer to the world's problems when it's obviously the the great fiend and villain on the world stage that that is bringing down democracy and it's bringing down individual liberty political freedom across the world and it's bringing the world into this debt plantation into this global world order is what we're seeing happen through the United Nations so that the the different monarchs and the different royalty and the sovereignty and the the Knights of Malta the different branches of nobility throughout Europe and the world are being empowered through the the indentured servitude of the American people and and other free free peoples in South America and throughout the world. So you can see that they're carefully and scientifically and through concerted effort, they're destroying national populism and democratic government worldwide. So that you can see that Prince William and Prince Harry are popular celebrity figures and and Prince Harry's wife, you know, some some movie star is going to run for president. Why is she going to run for president? What, what, what business does she have to become the next commander in chief of the armed military services? Because she married one of the princes of England? You see what I'm saying? This is a farce. This is a debacle. And we have to get on our knees as a people and pray to God that he frees us from the bondage and the, and the slavery and the coming invasion. There's a coming invasion, a military, planned military invasion of the United States of America. So you can expect that there are going to be armies, most likely China, China and Russia with them. They're going to come to the, the shores of the, in California and they're going to put their, they're going to beach their soldiers and they're going to put their weapons of war and aim them right at the American people. And of course, the American people are at each other's throats. We're being dissolved into, into racial, political destruction as we have to look with suspicion at one another because we look different and we have different heritages. You have to recognize that America was the leader in ending slavery throughout the world, coupled with England at the time through William Wilberforce and through the, the work of God at that time and, and through the government there who, who could see that slavery was such an abuse of humanity, such a vile and wicked sin that they had to end it. They had to, they had to find a way to end it. And of course, the, 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 the power of slavery, the slave trade had gone on for many centuries, a, a thousand years since the Ottoman Turks, since the, the, the creation of Islam with Muhammad who went around enslaving everyone who wouldn't accept Islam and, or cutting off their head or putting them into slavery. And of course, the Roman Catholic Church and the Pope are right there with them. The Pope was one of the biggest slavers in the world. Georgetown University, Jesuit Georgetown University was built with slave labor. 
The Jesuits were, were shipping slaves all over the world, into South America, everywhere, and just San Domingue before it became Haiti. They were the masters of slavery. Of course, they want to come out and apologize now and, and try to, to make slavery and the issues of slavery some kind of like millstone around the necks of, of Americans when we already dealt with these issues. We already expressed our, our movement in America with Martin Luther King Jr. And, and you know, even though uh, Malcolm X was a radical, he was defending the abuses that were against the people of his race, the people of his national heritage, the people of sub-Saharan Africa. I don't agree with his religion. I don't agree with Islam at all. I think that's a joke. But I agree with the fact that men of God who are black men, who are who are men with dark skin complexion, who are from sub-Saharan African heritage and background, need to stand up and defend their communities because they're under assault. They're under assault from a power structure that's here to just deplete, ruin, and destroy the entire family culture and spiritual heritage of the, the African-American community itself. We as Americans, we cannot be a stable country if we have rap stars running around glorifying murder and glorifying selling crack and turning women into hoes. Those are African queens. Those are women who are bringing forth the next generation of African nobility and African pride. And here in the United States, that, that's a privilege the United States gets that we were able to, that we, we had to give up our, our best sons to a terrible war to make sure that the, the, the people of Africa were free in this country. They were free citizens. They were free just like everyone else. And look what's happened. Look, what, look how we've, we've gone from Malcolm X and, and fighting for the, the dignity of the black community and, and Martin Luther King fighting for the equality of the different races in this country to be on equal footing and look at each other with love and humanity under the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now we've got Lil Wayne and face tattoos and gangland murders, crack ep epidemics and Molly being smoked on all the street corners and women selling their bodies in order to be pimped out and, and the tricked into sexual slavery. That's what it is. It's a sexual crime. It's, it's, it's drug rape. When you, when you influence a woman who's, who's weak into a, a, a massive drug addiction so you can make her a, a commodity to sell her vagina to strangers so you can make money off her in your trap house because you're trapping women with sexual slavery and drug dependency, it's rape. It's drug rape. And, and individuals who are doing this pimping should go to jail for life. In fact, we ought to string them up on a rope. If you're pimping a woman with drugs because she's got to get drugs and she's coming back to you to get the drugs and she's willing to sell her body and do anything because the, the, the addiction's so overpowering, we ought to string you up with a rope. We ought to put you on a firing squad and put an end to you. You're not an American. You're not a human. You're a subhuman roach or cockroach. We ought to end you. I don't care what your skin color is. We ought to put an end to your vile, despicable crimes against America. Crimes against humanity. That's what it is. And these drugs are an epidemic and we have to do something about it. So that's what helps, helps me to leave off to another subject matter here, which I feel the Lord is leading me to take part in, in a prison and outreach ministry. We're going to start, a, which has already been started, the outreach ministry and the efforts to reach out to prisoners who are in prison. And we're already making the effort now to, to continue that on. So we could use your support. You could get on there and send us $5 or $3 or how about 75 cents? You could send us 75 cents on Cash App and help us support people who are in prison, providing for their needs, taking the gospel into the prison houses, which is hard to do nowadays because of the COVID-19 lockdown measures. And these men, are, their hearts are, are broken and they're open to the gospel. The harvest is ripe in these places for men to receive Jesus Christ and have their life turned around and, and to leave the, the, the oppression of Satan 
in their lives because now they're cleaned up. Now they're off drugs. Now they don't even smoke cigarettes anymore or drink booze anymore. Now they're in an environment where they drink water and eat the, the jail food and they're the cleanest they've ever been in their lives. And it's time for them to be reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ and have that change their hearts. That's what I need your support for today. So open door outreach small ministry that we're going to go into. We're going to go into Alachua County Jail. We're going to provide, uh, get permission from the uh, the chaplain and the different ministers there to provide things for the the, uh, the different inmates there and give it, get a chance to minister to them. And uh, I, I saw it firsthand what needs to be done there. It weighs on my heart because the men are there, they're languishing, they can't get a GED. They can't go to the different work programs that, are avail- that need to be made available. They can't further their education. They can't go to the law library to fight their cases. Okay, they're just completely in the hands of a corrupt system. It's there just to turn them into a money-making system, a money-making commodity where they can just sit in the jail and then just court date after court date after court date, never let them out, never let them get a, a chance at justice or a chance to, to, to pay for their debt to society and get home to their family. They're just there to keep them in that dungeon for as long as possible so that Alachua County can, can fill up its coffers with federal reserve notes. It's disgusting. It's despicable. We need to we need to pray to God first, and we need to go and write letters. And we need to call down there. We need to we need to do what needs to be done to let the political leaders there, the councilmen or whoever they are, they're running that county and that city of Gainesville. Let them know that this will not stand. We need to do something about it. We we need to get uh, corrections officers in the county jail there that actually have some kind of ability to deal with the pressure and and the, the psychological strain that they're under because they're being abused by the the, uh, the different inmates, you know, verbally. And they're, they're have, they have a hard job. And it's not easy to be a, a babysitter and a caretaker over a bunch of broken, degenerate criminals who are there just to make your life hell and, and, and just to, to act like kindergartens. It's like a bunch of five-year-olds who won't, who won't listen to their, their parents. And now the state and the guards are their parents. So we need to make sure that the people that are, are corrections officers there are up to the job. And if they're not up to the job and they can't handle it, they don't need to be getting their rocks off by being in a power trip. They need to go ahead and just go get a different job. Go go move on down the line to another job that's more suitable because we can't have people who are not psychologically stable enough to do that work, which is really a, an act of ministry because you're dealing with broken and violent and dangerous men who need to, who don't need to be tased and, and maced in the eye with pepper spray, but they need to be dealt with in, in, in a special manner. We need the right men for those jobs, or else those criminals are just going to see the hypocrisy of the system and see that, that a bigger gang, a, bi- a bigger syndicate of criminals is being is lording over them, and they're just going to go back out thinking that there's no justice, and there's no, there's no val- valid nature to the law. Okay, They need to see that the people in the jail, the different deputies and different officers in, in the jail are going to follow the law, follow the rules, and be on one accord, not just changing from one shift to another, just arbitrary you know, changes in attitude and arbitrary changes in, in the way that things are run. And it's, it's, it's very bizarre. And of course, you know, they, they have a lot of guys quitting who do, can't put up with that kind of work environment. And, and a lot of the, the uh, corrections officers are being put under a lot of overtime. And there's a lot of strain because the system's broken. There really shouldn't be that many criminals in there in the first place because the society's sick. The society is going to hell. It's murdering and poisoning each, themselves with drugs. They're destroying themselves. And the, the jail facility is not adequate to be able to deal with this crime wave and this onslaught of a depraved culture that's degenerating all around us. And you know what UF, University of Florida, Gators, you know what you ought to be doing? You ought to be t- 
taking your intellectual acumen and take it down to the lowest common denominator down at the department of the jail and put it to work. Law students, why don't you look into some of the cases that are going on in that jail? Medical students, why don't you take a look at the situation, the, 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 the rough conditions that these men are being put in. They're being exposed to diseases under the auspices of being protected. They're being exposed to, to dangerous Ill, uh, pathogens and people who are in this, the political science majors and UF campus, why don't you go down there and look at the, the, the terrible condition of the racial divide that's, that's being opened up like a chasm in the jail. You want to find racism on both sides? People who have, no, have light complexion and people who have dark complexion, people who are from Caucasian background, people who are from Sub-Saharan background or from uh, a Latino background, if you will. Those, those, these people are all at some point totally being segregated they're self-segregating in an extreme way they won't sit with each other on the lunch table they're you know they're, it's it's an extreme racial racist environment it doesn't need to be that way people who are ministers of god don't be out there just pretending like you don't have a, a duty a duty post there at the county jail that needs to be addressed it's not just the people right there that come in to your pews and put money in your tray and it's the people that can't get there it's the people that are suffering the most the people that have just destroyed lives and have no hope who spent their lives despondent on drug addiction and alcoholism and and sexual depravity and who have lost any ability to feel good about themselves or have any kind of sense of self-esteem they need to be rebuilt and they need to be cared for and they need to be encouraged and you need to get down there and take a look at what's happening in that jail. And don't act like you've got a complete ministry if you're not doing something for your local prisons and your local jails and your local confined inmates. So as it is our want to do in the show, we like to add little news clips and updates of current events and different pundits and opinions, pieces and journals, uh, journalists, uh, uh, news making efforts here and really um, this interesting point here that they're going to make on, on a war room is also accompanied with the fact that as Stephen K. Bannon likes to do, he likes to differentiate the power centers of what, what we would understand in common parla modern parlance as the Illuminati power structure, the power structure of the elite the aristocracy that controls the world and he likes to differentiate the different cities and he likes to he'll, he'll discuss how, how Rome is an, in in alignment with London, and he'll discuss the separation between London and the inner city of London, which is it may have a, a similar a syntax in the way we describe the wording, but the truth is, is they're very separate and totally distinct sovereign uh, 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 entities. So London is the capital, the large capital of and the British Empire of the United Kingdom, and the city of London is an ancient a thousand-year-old Roman fort that is controlled by the banking elite and have their own separate laws and their own separate sovereign uh, dis distinction and a separate district, just like the District of Columbia. Washington, D.C. is a separate district and a separate uh, jurisdiction of law than everywhere else in the United States. So is the city of London, the inner city of London, the inner square mile, the banking square mile that's controlled by individuals who are part of the orders of the, the, the secret knights of Malta, and the different orders of the hospital or knights, and the different uh, noble arch the architecture of the nobility of, of Europe is still largely in place and carries on unchanged over many centuries. So we need to recognize that. And so let's listen to the war room here at the war room apparatus. Do I have the nitro uh, frosh thing ready to play? Can I pull, tell me? Give me the sign when that's ready to play. 
Uh, uh, Tierman, I know you got a punch. We're going to have Matthew on tomorrow doing a live show. I tell you what, let's play the. I want to before I lose Matthew Tierman. I want to play the Nigel Farage clip. Let's play it right now. Uh, with the Ukraine, we've had a message that's been sent out now for ten years, and this is not just the EU. Indeed, uh, David Cameron, uh, Nick Clegg, and, and I'm afraid Ed Miliband too have all been saying to the Ukraine, "Look, why don't you come and join the European Union? While you're at it, why don't you join NATO too?" And this is something that has been seen by Putin to be a deeply provocative act. We have given false hope to those Western Ukrainians. And did you see them with their EU flags and their banners? They actually toppled a democratically elected leader. Yes, I know Ukraine's corrupt. I know he wasn't perfect, but they toppled a leader. And I do not want to be part of an emerging expansionist EU foreign policy. I think it'll be a danger to peace. It's the party of Davos. It was EU got us in this jam. And we are, we are hammered. I've said from day one that the KGB controlled the criminals in Moscow, that Putin and these guys are, right, are, are, are second only to the, the real the criminal regime in Beijing. Tierman, you're going to join us tomorrow. You're in Berlin now. Uh, you're going to Warsaw. We're going to get a lot of coverage from you next week. But to talk to people over the next 24, 48 hours until we get you back on here tomorrow and over the weekend. What should people be looking for in this situation? Well, first, I just want to say uh, Nigel is right and but not 100 uh, percent correct. I love Nigel. He's one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, but the, the Ukrainian people toppled Yanukovych and, and the dictator. But he's right that the pro- provocation trying to bring them into the EU and NATO. Ho, ho, said, ho, 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 all driven by the EU and a falsehood. Come on, dude. Yes, they 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 overthrew it. They had their own coup by the Ukrainian people, if, but that was instigated. The, that was instigated by the party of Davos and Brussels. This is expansionist EU there, foreign policy. I was, there. I, was uh, there. I was in Central Europe. I was talking to Ukrainians. God, you, you Slavs, you, you, you Slavs. When you want to throw down, you want to throw down. You're just itching to get to Kiev, aren't you? You're itching. Tierman just committed the Polish. Tierman just committed the Polish army independently to march down there. Keep going, brother. I love you, but okay. man, you guys, you guys get, okay. This is what happens. I, I know this is hold it, hold it. I, stop I, right here. This is what this is what the law of unintended consequences are. This is what happens in the fog of war, right? People get their blood up. This is why it's called the bloodline. Anything can happen now because of false happy talk out of Davos, out of Brussels, out of London, out of Wall Street, out of the city of London, and out of Washington D.C. with this group of kleptocrat oligarchs led by the Clinton mafia. This is why we're in this mess, and I'm telling you, all bets are off. Matthew Tierman. True that. Uh, Yes, Ukraine should never have been wooed into the EU, wooed into NATO. It is totally inappropriate. It is not in the mature level of a state that it would have made any sense whatsoever beyond an ability to engage in the same sort of money laundering the post-communists did in Central Europe in 2004 when they had a whole bunch of Central European countries ascend prematurely so that the post-communists could launder their ill-gotten gains. Uh, That being said, next few days, uh, what to look for? Things are about to get real. Ukrainians on the ground now have guns. They are ready to fight. This is not going to be a cakewalk for Putin, and it will bring him to the table, but he will get away with the Crimean land grab because there's no will to put troops. They don't have the, the military mechanized mechanisms in place to go and defend it now that their airfields have been absolutely bombed to hell. Uh, so just watch the videos that you're going to see because you're going to see civilians just like the Maidan. Those were civilians. I know them. Many of them were my friends. Shooting at the snipers in the Ukrainian Defense Ministry, taking on bullets, people dying next to my friends, journalists who had friends who got shot. So, I mean, there was legitimacy in that revolution. 
but there was a provocation and wooing toward the EU and NATO was totally inappropriate. Uh, Cortez, once again, I got to go back and hit the thing itself. Walk me through why this audience should be watching Taiwan Semiconductor as a stock, as a proxy for this expanding war. As a proxy, yeah. And by the way, I'm in no position in this stock. I'm not trying to pick on this company. It's just such a massive and incredibly important company, both to the country of Taiwan, but even more importantly for us, to the entire business of chip manufacturing of semiconductors worldwide. Because again, Taiwan is the epicenter. In some businesses, we are literally 100% dependent on China, on Taiwan for our chips that are critical for our phones, our washing machines, our cars, everything we do. Taiwan Semiconductor, uh, the chart that we showed previously shows that just five weeks ago, this stock, and this is a massive company, it's worth almost $600 billion, uh, but just five weeks ago, this stock in the U.S. version of it traded at $145. It's all the way down to $110 right now. It got to 104 as of yesterday. So clearly, investors' capital is getting very, very nervous about the health of the chip industry, about the ability of Taiwan to remain safe and, and independent of, of China, given this marriage of gangsters between Beijing and Moscow. So I think this is an important stock to watch. By the way, right now as we speak, Steve, U.S. stocks are soaring. Uh, the Dow is up over 600 points as we speak. Taiwan Semiconductor still down on the day. So just to show you that kind of a diversion, uh, there is an incredible disparity between what's going on in U.S. stocks. By the way, Steve, U.S. stocks, when I say the Dow is up 600 on the day, it's, a, it's up about 1,500 over yesterday's low. A mammoth comeback off of yesterday's low. But guess why? At least what I'm hearing from some very big honchos in the hedge fund business it's because they believe that the Fed will now have an excuse to not raise rates, that they're going to try to use the Ukraine situation as an excuse. That would be terrible policy. It would be a terrible blunder as Americans are suffering from awful inflation. But it's the kind of thing that the ruling class and that asset owners love on Wall Street. I, I hope they're wrong on that prognostication because the Fed absolutely needs to raise rates. But regardless, this Taiwan situation, again, is so much more potentially economic devastating than anything we're talking about regarding Ukraine. And you know, but look, Steve, if you look at the CCP, if you look at the world from their perspective, uh, from from an evil regime, uh, they know that they have unleashed on the entire world the CCP virus, and they've done it in a consequence-free manner. Uh, meaning they have not yet paid one yuan or one dollar of reparations to the United States or to anyone. They have not paid any consequences. They just got to hold a global soiree, the Winter Olympics in China. From their perspective, what they have seen go on with Joe Biden as a as a totally worthless and weak leader in the Oval Office, what they have seen go on with Ukraine, with the virus, with lack of reparations, with the Olympics, is that time and again, they don't have to pay a price for misdeeds. And I fear that they will view this as their window, as their opening uh, to get a lot more bellicose in the South Pacific and on Taiwan. Real quickly, I, I think you said yesterday, Navarro, that they're using this, the, 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 the bump in interest rates, the stopping of the quantitative easing, and the stopping of the massive spending. They're coming up with another 5% increase in the defense budget. They're going to have a half dollar uh, annual budget deficit presented next week to everybody as a, as a win. Not one tool. The reason the market's juice today is the fact that they know that because of the created crisis, 
to create a crisis by the global elites in uh, in eastern Ukraine and now all of Ukraine that the Fed is not going to come in and, and, and slow things down. The punch bowl is not going to be taken away. Is that what you're hearing, Cortez? That is exactly correct. That the, that the Fed now has the excuse, or at least they think they have the excuse they need to slow walk what is what is a uh, you know a significantly warranted tightening of policy to try to help working class Americans out there. But once again, what we're seeing right now, at least, is the Fed may well be choosing the prerogatives of the ruling class, the prerogatives of the owners of assets, people like Blackstone and BlackRock, um, and they're willing to just stick it to the deplorables out there in the country. That's right now what is being telegraphed by financial markets. Well, tomorrow we're going to have in studio author of a really incredible book, Putin's Playbook, Russia's Secret Plan to Defeat America. The author is Rebecca Koffler. I want to join her. She's going to join us right now by Skype, first time in the war room. Uh, Rebecca, I just want to make sure people, you're, you're a former DIA, Defense Intelligence Officer. You've spent a career in intelligence. You're an analyst now. Uh, you know this. Uh, you know the bloodlands as well as anybody. A lot of this book, which is pretty extraordinary, uh, there's pages in this book that are blacked out because you had to get it cleared by the CIA and DIA. Uh, and so there's a lot of this redacted. Uh, tell us about Putin. Who, who, who are we dealing with? We keep calling him a KGB thug and a, and a, and a criminal, uh, although there are certain things he's doing right. He's obviously uh, bloodthirsty and doesn't believe in, uh, in the sovereignty of, of countries if he doesn't deem that they're sovereign countries. Tell us about uh, Putin and particularly the war strategy and the thinking inside the Kremlin. Sure. Uh, Putin has been preparing for this moment for the last 20 years, uh, Steve, and he didn't even uh, make a secret of it. He has declared that he wanted to reconstitute a supranational alliance, not unlike the former USSR, and to resubjugate former Soviet states such as Ukraine, Georgia, Belarus, um, and all we needed to do, Steve, is just listen to him and believe him. Every speech that he uh, said, every strategic planning document that the Russians have developed, military doctrine, national security strategy, foreign policy concept, information security um, doctrine, had exactly, you know, black on white, all of these intentions, right? And uh, basically what he has developed is a five-point plan that includes cyber warfare, space warfare, military, uh, i.e. kinetic option all the way to nuclear, something called active measures, which is election interference, and spying, espionage, and intimidation, assassination. These are the classic tools of Putin's playbook. And we see right now with his um, attack on Ukraine as one of the initial steps of achieving his strategic goal. Why, given that he's trying to put together what they're, what Russia, not the Soviet Union, what Russia considers their sphere of influence, why, why does the United States have a dog in this fight, ma'am? Um, well... Here's why. Uh, the Washington establishment um, has pursued a bipartisan long-term policy to prevent Russia from emerging as a dominant power 
in Eurasia. This uh, used to be a highly classified policy, now it is out. And uh, Putin does not really believe when Washington says that our goal is to quote-unquote democratize Ukraine and the post-Soviet states uh, because we want to bring freedom and human rights to them. Putin doesn't think like that. He is a real politic, you know, a classic uh, former Soviet, former being on, in quotes, of course, KGB officer. He's uh, very rational, but his rationale is not Western. It's Russian-Soviet rationale. So what he sees is NATO's encroachment into Russian sphere of influence. Consider this. During the Cold War, the distance between NATO forces and St. Petersburg, one of the largest cities in Russia, was 1,000 miles, okay? Today, this distance has been reduced to 100 miles. So he purely views it in military terms. He views NATO forces potentially being deployed into Ukraine if Ukraine were to become NATO member. And that is threat number one to them, and this is why Putin has drew a red line. And unfortunately, instead of you know speaking directly and candidly, Washington keeps pushing the democracy you know line, and the Russians just simply don't buy it. Uh, we've got a punch, but we're going to have you on tomorrow. Just one question. Why does this book have so much, why is it redacted? I know you can't give the details, but why were they so tough on redacting your book on this on this book about uh, Putin? It's, it's the uh, security apparatus, the intelligence apparatus basically blacked out many, many pages in your book. Why was that? Because they didn't want the American people to know that they have completely missed every single signpost indicating what Putin was up to. I mean, President Biden right now is grabbing at straws, you know, sanctions, shmanctions. That wasn't going to stop Putin and change his behavior. Where was President Biden when he was VP of former President Obama? And they were briefed. I personally briefed scores of Pentagon officials in the Obama administration, the White House, NATO, informing them of Putin's very unique new generation warfare strategy, and Biden did nothing about it. And at the 11th hour, somehow he thinks that sanctions are going to change Putin's mind and uh, prevent him from achieving something that he has been hatching for 20 years? I don't think so. So this is why the intelligence agencies blacked out all my criticisms and all my revelations including what happened back in 2016, because the Russians did not want to elect Donald Trump. They had a very different goal. And so the intelligence community assessment that came out on January 7th, uh, on January 6th, rather, 2017, was false, because James Clapper, John Brennan, and James Comey orchestrated a pretext. They weaponized the intelligence resources to create a pretext so that they could spy on people like Carter Page to get closer to the Trump campaign. This is why they redacted okay. all of it. They don't want the American people to know how badly they've messed up, bungled up the Russia threat. So we go ahead and include a little piece of this particular journalism here at the War Room, Rebecca Koffler, her new book.
and uh, we just add this little bit of intelligence into the intelligence briefing here so that you can see a wider perspective and a larger uh, lay of the land as we move forward in America. We need to be uh, recognizing what the people in Ukraine are recognizing that you need to be prepared to to arm and to defend your family against foreign encroachment, foreign powers, uh, destabilized politics in Washington D.C. Uh, a, a whole fifth column of traitors and the elite classes who are willing to betray the American people and the, and the nation uh, to our enemies. And we need to get ready. So I have one more little. The little clip here will offer up from geopolitics. And empire, and we will offer up this particular clip here. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, all of these are interlinked. I've had a number of past guests say that COVID-1984 and the Ukraine crisis uh, are the same thing. Uh, even Nayib Bukele, the president of El Salvador, said that. Uh, Alex Craner, my recent guest, and Dale McAdams uh, as well. Um, and Japan, what you mentioned just over the weekend, I was commenting how now there's talk Japan is trying to uh, make the doctrine of preemptive strike. They were talking about... Um, Japan being able to launch preemptive strikes uh, on, you know, enemies within their uh, vicinity. You seem, on, on one hand, very uh, optimistic. You were saying that people are, are in Australia are, are not letting go, and we see in, in Canada as well. Uh, you know, how optimistic are you that we're going to turn the tide in our favor, or that uh, all hell is going to break loose? <laughs> It really depends upon the decisions of a few individuals, to be honest. I suspect that the World Economic Forum is much like the old loyalty um, before the World Wars took place. I think that they believe that they will be given power if they cozy up to uh, China and Russia. I genuinely think that they think they'll end up as kingmakers. And I suspect that their ideology, they have a more romantic view of their, oh, we can definitely rule the world, we can we can uh, own everything, it'll be fine, and nothing bad will happen. I think they believe they can pull that off. But what's going to happen, of course, is their little side game, which China and Russia have been like, thanks for playing, that was wonderful, you helped us out a lot. The world economic mental game they played with um, the West has disempowered it. But I think that we can recover from that mental game, and we already are. Because it is, it's, it's a game, and you can only push people so far. What I worry about is as a result of what big places like the World Forum did emotionally and um, uh, to the thinking of the West will impact the decisions that we make in the real war that we have to actually get right. So we have lines that if we, if we miss them, we'll be in serious trouble. Like if no one defends Taiwan and China is allowed to empower itself, gain territory and not lose any military strength in doing so, then we've got problems because then we've got a, a powerful Russia and a powerful China. What we need to happen is we need China to expend a lot of its energy trying to move forward at this point in time before it tips over the balance into an unstoppable war force. And people don't realise, they go, they don't want war and they won't come and touch us. It's like Germany last time. You can't let Germany keep rolling over and gaining ground because eventually it becomes too powerful. So um, if we muck up Taiwan and we don't fight for Taiwan, the world is going to look very different um, than it could. Uh, as for Europe, Russia, I think, learnt one lesson that uh, China didn't learn, and that's you can't control too many countries. So Russia wants to rebuild the USSR. No, no. No surprise there. But they don't want to own European countries. They want them to be subservient to Russia. 
because at least Russia understands that they cannot rule the whole world. It doesn't work. They tried it a couple of times and they learned. China thinks that it can rule the whole world and they're going to be very wrong about that. No one can do it. Not Alexander the Great, not Xi Jinping. It's like a game of Risk if you've ever played as your little entire expansion. <laughs> I need risk. to play that. <laughs> yeah, and you, you, you find that at some point you only have enough you know, troops, reserves to back up one area and then you leave another area too thin and that's, you know, where things fall. Um, but, but do you know why it doesn't work? Do you know why it doesn't work? Because human beings are tribal, so we are genetically programmed to go out and become diverse. That is actually our driving core of our human species and so we will naturally become diverse even under a dictatorship. So even under global communist rule, we will fracture immediately and naturally rise up in different tribes and you cannot stop that, not with any kind of philosophy. That is a biological drive. Thank you again very soon.